passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the live Royal Rumble post show. I'm John Pollock alongside Waiting. We are here live on a Sunday night for our double-double ice cap and espresso cafe members. So thank you for joining us live minutes after the Royal Rumble. How are you, Way? Oh, I'm doing good, John. Yeah, feels like a really big event. And it's it's a bit weird, this one, because it's the first Rumble I've seen by myself, like, in years. You know, these are usually kind of like a big get-together party type of show. And this is the first one I've seen, like, solo, I, I think, really... Did we watch this together last year? I'm pretty sure we did. I guess we did. So, yeah, this one was a bit different. Well, um, I am going to, first of all, thank the real winner here. And that is my wife, who was a great assistance to me to be able to watch this show tonight. And that is all I want to say. These shows starting at uh, 6.30 for the kickoff in in my new life, 6.30 until like 8.30 – very, very tough. So a big thank you to my wife today. Oh, always the MVP of post-wrestling. A true this MVP. Yes, very much so. Um, let us chat about the Rumble. And first of all, uh, you know, going into the show, um, you know, we talked about it Friday. I guess, what would you say, like, day of were you thought the, the key parts of the Rumble that had, you know, you think the most intrigue? key parts um i think uh you know always knowing what the outcome of the rumbles are is always a big deal seeing who is going to be you know the the, the wrestlemania main event or at least half of the wrestlemania at least at this point a quarter of the wrestlemania main event is, is always an interesting one uh of course knowing what sort of surprises are, are about to show up for me it's just like there's still a real atmosphere and a real kind of specialness attached to this pay-per-view they're usually very well booked and usually very entertaining so just i think the the idea of the the show itself was enough to get me hyped certainly by the morning so i mean the the key takeaways and we're going to get into them is that we have edge and bianca belair winning the respective royal rumble matches and in terms of a show layout way i mean this was I mean, it was listed on the network that this show would be uh, 7 till 10, which I immediately thought that 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 sounds very ambitious to get two rumbles and all the other matches into a three-hour window. They ended up going uh, pretty much like 7 till 11. We got a four-hour main show, but I can't say this was one of those pay-per-views where there was a lot of uh, a drag to it. I think the rumble, it's constantly... Um, you know, it's just by its very nature, it's a long match, but it's one that your attention is always occupied. And I found that they, this was a show that was timed out very well. It would have been insane to try and cram all this into anything less. I agree. Like at no point did this show drag for me. In fact, like, you know, trying to fit a meal in there at some point was almost a little bit difficult because 
um, end to end, there was always something going on. Even like while I like stepped out to go to the bathroom, our um, truth lost the twenty four seven title to P- Peter Rosenberg. So there's always you, your, the most your important experience. part of the show. You were able to time your bathroom break perfectly (laughs) then because that was probably the like lowest point of the show. Sure. Yes. Yes. But uh, yeah, it it was like it was a four and a half hours. I mean, five hours if you watch the whole kickoff, which I did, that did not feel like like there was any drag at all. You really never need to watch the first 40 minutes of the kickoff. No, but you don't. It's it's there for you if you are so inclined. So let's get into the rumble. We're going to uh, go through this and then we'll be opening it up for calls afterwards. If you skip the first 40 minutes of the kickoff, well, this will be a very quick uh, synopsis of what went down. Charlie Caruso was on the panel with Jerry Lawler, Booker T, JBL, and Peter Rosenberg, who would have quite the evening ahead of him. Uh They went through a number of the matches. We had a quick segment with Carmella and Reginald backstage. Sonya Deville joined the panel. And then R-Truth showed up dressed as Elmer Fudd. He is hunting rabbits because he heard Bugs Bunny was performing tonight. And that led to Booker T in the most serious delivery explaining his name is not Bugs Bunny. It's Bad Bunny. And he said this with the seriousness of like telling our truth that he had some uh, that he had just uh, contracted some illness. Like that's how serious this tone was from Booker T. And then we had Oscar and Charlotte interviewed in the back. Uh, the only thing notable about this promo is that Charlotte spoke. Then Oscar did her usual Oscar promo while Charlotte is just smiling. And it's such a insincere smile and then as Oscar leaves to do her entrance, this very serious, maniacal look uh, occupies Charlotte's face. Oh, interesting. I didn't even look too deep into any of that. I just thought they that. left the camera on her, and it was definitely meant to show that there is a, a lot at work here with Charlotte Flair. And I, I again, I think that this is the direction we're likely going with Charlotte and Oscar once Charlotte gets past Lacey Evans, but likely Charlotte in the heel role. Okay. So step one of that was these tag team titles. We went 10 minutes and 33 seconds here. Uh, Byron Saxton noted that based on the last few weeks, Charlotte Flair has proven she is a human with human emotions because of her concern over her father. Where she uh, told her father that he is uh, becoming an old man and to stay out of my business and go home. She's a human with human emotions. Uh, Flair hit a double natural selection. Baszler kicked out of that. Then we had Jackson hitting a Samoan drop. Uh, Asuka was sent over the announcer's desk. Flair hit a moonsault to the floor onto both women. And then Ric Flair comes out. This temporarily distracts Charlotte, who gets rolled up for a two count. Then Lacey appears ringside. Flair has the figure eight applied. Evans breaks it up. So Flair then decks Evans. Baszler has the Kirafuda clutch on. It gets countered. She goes back to the figure eight, but Ric Flair hands a foreign object to Lacey Evans, who then blasts her with the woman's right. Because I guess the woman's right was not enough. She needed something else. This was yeah. the, the woman's right and the man's assistance. Well, sure. I guess so. Yeah. 10.33. Um, Charlotte uh, gets hit with this object and leg dropped by Nia, and Nia pins her. They win the tag titles. I I didn't think there was anything special about this match. It was a kickoff match. I thought it was I underwhelming it, if you're looking for an Oscar-Charlotte match. 
I thought it was a pretty subpar match. And I think much of that due to Nia's limitations. I really feel like she is out of her element at this level. I mean, it's been months since that return. And for a battle royal, I think she does absolutely play a role just being, you know, due to her size. Within the division, she plays a role due to her size. But, I mean, at this point, there are far better options if you're looking for large, you know, monster-like characters to use um, in that role. I really just just think she's she's out of her element at this point. Um and I don't even think Shayna gelled too well with the rest here. So overall, I thought the match was disappointing. But the storytelling, it, it was fine. You know, the Lacey Evans stuff, it was kind of predictable in that WWE screwy finished kind of way. Um, the Asuka, Charlotte, tag run in hindsight really served little purpose. But to be background uh, a background object to further Charlotte singles run against Lacey Evans... Um, Nothing wrong with using the belts that way, but I'm a di- bit disappointed we didn't get some better matches with Asuka and Charlotte throughout this entire, really not even focus on the two of them as WWE Tag Team Champions. So, um, yeah, it just seems to be a way to, you know, move them forward as single stars. Yeah, I thought if if you are, in fact, going with Asuka and Charlotte, I thought you you could have extended this title reign that could have played in more to the buildup of that rather than putting the belts back onto Jax and Baszler. You'd also, you know, by extension, get some, I think, better matches involving those titles. So it, it's kind of hard to, the match we're about to review, I think it's hard to kind of uh, grade that as a, as a match per se. But I would say this this was the weakest thing on the show, was this kickoff match. Uh, um, I much prefer the opening match to this. I th- it, it, it at least had a purpose. Uh, so that takes us to the main show and kicking things off are Drew McIntyre and Bill Goldberg. And Goldberg makes his big entrance. Uh, he's in shorts. He is in shorts as opposed to his usual trunks, uh, nor spandex trunks or spandex shorts. We also don't really have any sort of special set design for the Rumble this year. Uh, it, it looks exactly like it does on Ron Smackdown and the Thunderdome, but it, it was it was totally fine. We had all really the MP3s, though, ready to play. We had uh, thisisawesome.mp3. We had youstillgotit.mp3. We had holy shit.mp3. <laughs> All of them, yes, it was great. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe appropriate was what Bill was wearing, given the uh, the length that we had to uh, uh, we had in store. We did have the WrestleMania sign up there, though, of course, and Lots a slightly a lot of pointing, a slightly updated version of last year's logo. We have two swords instead of one now. Oh, okay, that's great. Uh, so, listen, this was. Me and Wade previewed this on Friday, and this match was pretty much what we laid out, only shorter than I thought. I thought we'd at least get six or seven minutes. We ended up getting two and a half. I guess a little more you can pad to it because uh, they did spend a minute or two on the floor because McIntyre nails Goldberg with the Glasgow kiss and then spears Bill before the bell rings. They go to the floor, and it ends with Goldberg spearing McIntyre through the barricade. So the obstacle for Drew is fighting through a rib injury. And as he crawls into the ring, the referee goes, Drew, are you sure about this? And Drew says, I've taken it into advisement. I think that this rib injury could be a little too damaging right now. I think we've we've got to reschedule. We've just got to reschedule. I think we could aim for... The next just, month, I, w- I would pre- be comfortable with an x-ray. Can I get an x-ray, please? I can't do this. And then he just well, gave well, up the belt. It was weird. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. It's just my health. It's got to come first. I'm, I'm a young guy. I have many years ahead of me. I can't be jeopardizing this rib injury. The bell rang. The match begins. And 
McIntyre lands a knee blocking Goldberg and hits the Claymore, which Goldberg kicks out of. And they note that Brock Lesnar, who was mentioned many times on this show. I don't know if people necessarily should read into that or anything, but uh, he was hardly a name that they were uh, abstaining from tonight. He was brought up here. He was brought up throughout the Rumble. So, and that's something, not a name that is brought up all that often. Interesting. Uh, So he kicks out of the Claymore. Goldberg recovers. He hits two spears that Drew kicks out of. Way was right here. Goldberg calls for the jackhammer, and he hit it. McIntyre kicks out of the jackhammer, and Goldberg had to do the stunned look. He misses Drew in the corner, and then Drew recovers and hits a final Claymore, winning the match in two minutes and 32 seconds. Afterwards, Bill walks up to him and said, Yep, you passed the test. (laughs) You passed the test. And he said it enough times to make sure that the camera picked it up, that we were supposed to be a fly on the wall to hear this. They shook hands. He endorsed them. I get the thinking behind this way and what it was to accomplish, getting the endorsement. Drew kicks out of a jackhammer. I will say, though, that I I think that there is a point where fans want more than just this. And I don't know how many times you can put Goldberg into this scenario. I think there's a role for Goldberg. I just don't know if it's a major title match on a major pay-per-view. I don't completely disagree with you, and I think at least part of that thinking is maybe part of the reason why they decided not to do this match at WrestleMania, as maybe was originally rumored. Um, In my opinion, I think for a Rumble main event or Rumble title match, really a a Rumble opener, uh, just something to kind of like, you know, hold Drew McIntyre over until your next pay-per-view. You need sort of like, you know, a big title match between two big name guys in addition to the two Rumbles on the marquee. I thought this was perfect. And in terms of a Goldberg match at this point in 2021, especially considering some of his prior matches that we've recently seen him in, I thought it was about as most uh, as much as you could expect from a Bill Goldberg match at this point. I think it's the most you can expect out of a Goldberg match, but it's also the least, the very least you can expect out of a Drew McIntyre match. And that's where it comes Mm -hmm. down to, are are we grading this versus past Goldberg matches or versus like the standard that is now, you know, a a major championship match and and what you want out of things. Like, I agree. It's not like they had a hot heel that was ready for Drew. So this is fine to do. It's just, I'm not going to do, you know, a grand praise of, of this either. It's, it was kind of just a, makeshift for drew and served its purpose it was short but i i do think that there I, I don't know how many times you can go to the well with goldberg at this point beyond him just killing a guy that's kind of out of your title picture i think to me what matters more than you know having i don't know like a great 15 minute goldberg match is the fact that you can even advertise goldberg on your pay-per-view just to get people through the door. People who might be Laps fans, who might only pay attention, might not recognize everybody, but they see Goldberg going up against this brand new guy who people have been talking about, who's your champion. Getting those people to watch the match and to buy the pay-per-view or subscribe to the network so that they could see this Drew McIntyre match. I think that's more important. And in order to do that, you have to work to Goldberg's limitations. It, It was not a match that embarrassed Goldberg in any way. Like, there was not enough time for that. There was no dead space. It was them spamming finishers. It's the tried-and-true Goldberg method, and it worked wonderfully here. Even the jackhammer. Like, it was not a perfect-looking jackhammer, but, like, it looked good enough. Looked good enough to to be, you know, like, it looked like a man struggling a little bit because the other guy was really big and, in fact, made Goldberg 
looked like he accomplished a pretty impressive feat, uh, you know, feat of strength here. So, you know, at the end of this, you have Drew McIntyre kind of leaving with a pretty big notch on his belt, on his win record that he could brag about for the next several months. You have people through the door, uh, perhaps, you know, getting a bit more interest for this pay-per-view because of a Goldberg match. And I thought it was overall just really everything it needed to be. Didn't go the Miz route with the money in the bank cash in. And we just kind of like move it, move it aside for now. Yeah, the Miz thing I want to talk about, but as well... Uh, you know, Goldberg kind of alluded to this in that interview he did with Fox Sports, and it had been out there. Like, this this was not a long-term idea, and it seemed like Goldberg kind of just got this call right before that Legends night. And mm-hmm. he's a guy that, I mean, takes this stuff super serious. And And you have seen, like, the preparation he has had for his matches. Like, he has to essentially put himself through a camp to get up for these matches. So I, I think, like, it's also, you know... He was put in a spot here where he had to get ready, and four four weeks is not a, a whole lot of lead time if you're Bill Goldberg at 54. And I think, and I think a lot of the criticism that has come against Goldberg is somewhat unfair. If you want to criticize the company, that's fine, but he is contracted to do these two matches a year, and he takes them super serious when he's called upon. Like he is not the one that is you know necessarily calling for these main events or whatever. But when he is put in these, like he also puts in the time. And this was one that seemed to come together pretty quick. Uh, Now the Miz stuff, you're right. They did no tease of this before the match, after the match at all. We did get some of Miz, but I found it very interesting that when it came time to put out this show, they took out like the Miz bullshit, Alexa and the fiend, like all of that stuff that I think would generate the most negativity from this show, that was left to a bare minimum. Like, we got Alexa Bliss in and out of the Rumble. No Fiend in this show at all, which very much surprised me. And even, like, the Miz stuff, which I think would have left a sour taste in people's mouth as well. Like, when they were teasing that on Monday, they didn't even hint towards that. And I found that very interesting that the the most potential negative aspects of this show were all out the window. Perhaps it's them listening to their audience and understanding that, you know, maybe on a on a TV show, you can kind of take your big risks and maybe, uh, you know, alienate some of your audiences by going some of the more sci-fi horror type of type of things. But for the pay-per-views, they want people leaving with rave reviews. And um, certainly by the end of it, I think uh, it was the right choice. Literally, Randy's burns reco- like healed in six days. Well, amazing. Uh, it's a miracle. So... Uh, Kayla Braxton interviewed Sasha Banks, who laughed off the notion that the odds are stacked against her, and she's going to be drinking the finest champagne of Carmella's tears after tonight, which, that that sounds gross. Um, you tried it? Tried to Drinking to someone's tears? I, I have not, but I would not. I would imagine it'd be a very salty aftertaste to it. It'd be gross. I just, you know, if I made someone cry, the last thing I would want to do is, like, put a cup underneath and gather the tears you know like the heel attitude has always been a big part of the boss character no matter if she's a heel or a face but you know i I certainly feel like in a promo like this she's there's no attempt made at toning it down at all so i wonder if that's intentional heading into a a feud with bianca belair i think so i think you need to amplify that for kind of maximum impact for that program sasha and carmella smackdown women's championship and immediately banks goes for the bank statement and carmella bails out Uh, Reginald is distracting, allowing Carmella to take control. And Banks comes off the top, injured her knee off the Meteora. 
And then Carmella tried to tie Sasha's hair to the bottom rope. Uh, it was only momentary, but then the hair was free. Uh, the scariest part. This this is the second scariest moment of the weekend behind uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi's Made in Japan. Carmella went for this tope suicida and she just burst out of the ring. And this was not quite Lita level in terms of a suicide dive, but not that far off. And the fact that that was my comparison point, if you didn't see this, that was the visual. She appeared to be okay, but this was a very scary moment in the match. Definitely. Yeah. Cause for concern, but she popped back up and continued the rest of the match. So hopefully she's fine. Uh, Sasha was doing uh, the three amigos, the frog splash, which landed on Carmella's knees. And that allowed Carmella to get the code of silence. Uh, but I guess Sasha was so quiet. Carmella wasn't sure if she was giving up because she just gave up the hold. And then Banks came back, caught her with a super kick in midair, caught the arm and applied the bank statement, tapping out Carmella in 10 minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, I thought this was like another like good match out of these two after last month, save for the Tope Suicida that was frightening. But I think that these two, they have like a pretty good chemistry with one another. And this seemed to be, you know, trying a bit more than they did at the TLC match. I liked the last match more. Um, I didn't think this one was as good in terms of quality or cleanliness of execution. Um, the rest of it, I felt maybe slightly below that that one. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it, what matters is that you kind of had a program that carried Sasha through another month at a time when I feel the women's roster on SmackDown is kind of bare challengers right now. So, again, on a match that doesn't necessarily hinge or on a pay-per-view that doesn't hinge on a match like this, I thought it was a totally flat, fine, you know, placeholder for Sasha for the time being. Big E gave a pep talk to Xavier Woods and Sami Zayn interrupted them, calling them the poster boys for WWE management. And they're probably going to get better spots in the Rumble than he, which turned out to be true. Zayn says, I have eyes in the back of my head, which led to him getting frightened when Kofi Kingston appeared from behind them and scared Zayn away. And Kingston informed them he's not medically cleared tonight, but he still wanted to show off their tribute gear that they had in honor of Brody Lee. Uh, th this was really cool that they had uh, this gear made, and Kofi did the cameo here. Yeah, it was really cool. I like to keep getting these occasional New Day reunions throughout the year. Then it was time for the Bad Bunny performance, featuring Booker T, allowing Michael Cole to make a G.I. Bro reference uh, for his outfit. Uh, this was kept really short. It was not, you know, didn't overstay its welcome or anything. It was just a kind of middle of the show kind of thing with someone like of, of notable fame. You know, music performances in wrestling are always a risk because they tend to alienate a good portion of your fan base because no wrestling fan... Um, typically always agrees on um, their musical taste unless it's a wrestler's entrance theme or a song that's kind of uh, directly connected to them. This kind of exists somewhere in, in the middle. It's attached to Booker, of course, but it's not a song that really has ever been played on this, on their programming. He's not an active wrestler. Um, and I think this definitely receives some mixed reaction online, but I personally, I like the song. I like the performance, you know, it's, it, without a crowd reacting to it, I think probably takes away from the live performance as well. Uh, but overall, I thought it was just an inoffensive, nice little break from the show. And, this couldn't and, have been more than two minutes. And overall, like the it, he's a really popular. He's star. very popular. Like this is not so, like you're just you know 
searching for a celebrity that will come to your show. Like, he's got a lot of notoriety. So, And you had such a natural tie-in, like, with, with Booker T. It's like it appealed to your wrestling audience. I, I had absolutely no issue with this. Uh, 30-woman Royal Rumble was next. This was going to be called by Tom Phillips and Byron Saxton with Jerry Lawler. And Bailey was entrant number one who came out, and she had shaved the word Cole into her hair and was very upset to learn that Michael Cole would not be calling this match for her. I'd be disappointed too. That's some bad communication between the two. So Bailey and Naomi, the returning Naomi, started things off, and Naomi would be one of the, like, on the short list of featured performers in this match. She ended up going a long time uh, in this return. I thought a pretty good return for her. I mean, this has kind of become one of her signature matches. Yeah, and especially this year with, I mean, they did some of the near elimination teases, but with no Kofi Kingston version in the men's version, it was kind of uh, left to Naomi here. And then Bianca Belair came in number three. So uh, these are about what, 90 90 second intervals? Yeah, give or or take. But this one, it was a 90 second interval. I, I wasn't paying super close attention. It did seem like the men's was, they were kind of trying to, Speed up. Speed it up a little. And they also had a much longer end period once all the participants were in. So we'll just kind of go through uh, some of the highlights of the match. Billy Kay was in fourth. And this was where they did some comedy with Billy Kay where she was on commentary. And after each new entrant, she would go and pitch herself to the new entrant with her resume and headshot. Yeah, as a way to kind of find a partner to help her uh, win this Rumble, I... I thought it was a nice setup for the surprise that was about to enter, but overall, I didn't think the comedy was was working all that well. Shotzi Blackheart was fifth, Shayna Baszler sixth, and then Tony Storm was seventh. So our first elimination occurred when Baszler grabbed Shotzi Blackheart by the leg and just dumped her out. And then number eight, if you were to ask me who who would be a surprise entrant that you just would not imagine they would think of? The top of that list might be Jillian Hall. I, I was I, this was like the most like what what a name to just think of just to, just if you're putting this match together to think you know what Jillian Hall it, Billy Jillian like I don't know if I've thought of that name in ten plus years. It's just not she's just I guess like not necessarily a. When you think of like the Legends Nights and all that stuff, it's not really a name that ever comes to mind. So she comes out and Billy and her get along famously. And they enter the match together as Billy and Jilly. Ruby Riot was ninth, tenth, Victoria, her first WWE match since 2009. Uh, someone that has not been used, uh, you know, for, for many of these. Like, I'm surprised it took this long. For Victoria to get the call, the call to do one of these rumbles. Uh, she came in and immediately hit a spinning side slam off her shoulders to Ruby Riot. How'd you think Victoria looked? Mm, I thought she looked okay. Um, you know, I, I, I was going to say, I didn't think Jillian Hall looked too shabby from what she had to do here. But Victoria, I think because the bar is so much higher from what we've seen from her, um, I... I don't think that somersault leg drop looked maybe as great as it used to. I don't think the widow's peaked really, you know, in rush fashion. Probably looked as good as uh, she's been able to pull it off. Probably even in recent recent times. But maybe I just have higher expectations. 
Peyton Royce was 11th, so the Iconics worked together, and as they went to do their pose, Billy Kay hesitated. Victoria, uh, Peyton Royce hits her version of the Widow's Peak, and then Victoria hits her version onto Royce. Santana Peyton did it better, I'm sorry to say. Well, maybe um, maybe it's the Widow's Peak has, has peaked. <laughs> Santana Garrett was 12th. Uh, 13th was Liv Morgan. What, what did you think of Santana Garrett being like one of the lone kind of, well, not lone, but like one of the featured NXT players here? Because she's not even... A, a, I, I barely call her an NXT performer. I mean, she's not a yeah. television character. Just seemed to be a name to throw in here. Yeah, I found it certainly interesting. I don't know if this is in any sort of indication of a of a call up or simply because they didn't want to use anybody else in NXT to kind of have them not win a rumble. Yeah, I I don't know because like there were like Shotzi Blackheart, Tony Storm, Dakota Kai, like those are all mm-hmm. pushed performers on NXT, and I've got to say I I can't say like any of them came off like big stars in this. Like the big one was Rhea Ripley, and she is obviously being called up. So. Yeah, I I thought in that case, like, you really did, like, come out of this where, like, NXT was kind of like your developmental brand. That's what it felt like of those that were used here. Yeah, perhaps. Um, like, none of them had big, big win. moments in it. Yeah. Liv Morgan was 13th, and then the big one was Rhea Ripley, 14th. She runs wild on everyone and dumps out Tony Storm immediately. Uh, Baszler then applied the Kirifuda clutch to Victoria on the apron and dumped her out to the floor. Then Garrett was knocked out by Ripley after she did the splits. 15th is Charlotte Flair, and Bailey slid under Ruby Riot on the apron and powerbombed her out of the ring to the floor. Dana Brooke is in 16th. 17th was Tori Wilson. Now, I remember the first Women's Royal Rumble that Tori Wilson uh, was one of the entrants for, and it was not a pretty performance. This one, uh, I-, I thought she landed everything. Like, she didn't try anything crazy, okay? She tried a jumping clothesline. I'm just going to say, I know what you're going to say. Like, this was not the most uh, memorable performance, but if you go watch what she did in 2018 versus this one, this was Ric Flair compared to Giant Gonzalez, Okay. Well, if my bar was set too high for Victoria, maybe the bar was set too low for Tori Wilson for the, for that assessment. But I, 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 you sure? I don't really disagree. Then we got a great playoff of uh, things here because after Tori Wilson was Lacey Evans with Ric Flair, who is playing a modern day Al Wilson with Lacey's Don Marie. Interesting. Okay. So yes. maybe Tori can tell Charlotte some words of advice. Uh, so yeah, Ric Flair brought out Lacey in one of uh, Rick's robes. And then Charlotte and Evans begin fighting on the floor. Flair yanks uh, Peyton Royce, eliminating her out. Baszler then eliminates Shayna Baszler, eliminating Tori Wilson. Several years ago when she was competing in <laughs> UFC, I don't know if that's a sentence I would have imagined uh, associating with a Royal Rumble. Then Bel Air tosses Bailey out, who lasted 29 minutes. Now Naomi has been in the longest, followed by Bianca Belair. Uh, legend Mickey James, as she was identified, came out 19th. The, followed by Nikki Cross, then another t- another legend way, Alicia Fox, again identified as a legend. The legends were just, uh, man, it was uh, the Mount Rushmore in here. The bridge between, you know, Raw or SmackDown performance to legend is uh, evidently pretty short. Yes. I just, I just find it amazing with, like, the age that they have allowed, they get legendary uh, designation. There's, there's no age requirement for a legend. I'm just like Mickey could be an everyday performer and she would probably be among the best women on the roster right now. She looks great here. 
she looked tremendous. I just I wonder if this is going to indicate a more regular role for her or was just just because it was the rumble we put her in. Because, because she could have... be greatly utilized. When we look at the depth on both shows, you could certainly use a Mickey James. It's true, but they also have so many people in developmental that they need to escalate up. So I, I, I think she was probably moved to legendary status for a reason. Mandy Rose was 22nd. Um, sorry, after Alicia came in, R-Truth ran out, and he was confused about which rumble it was. The 24-7 guys run out, and then Truth uses Alicia Fox as a weapon to keep them away, and then Alicia Fox rolls up R-Truth and pins him for the 24-7 title. Mandy Rose comes out and nails Alicia Fox, who falls out of the ring after the knee strike, and R-Truth rolls her up, regaining the title. I like the 24-7 spots here. I mean, they are so stupid, but I thought well-placed for comic relief within the middle of... There's room for comedy in the middle of a Rumble match. I thought it kind of broke up the flow and kind of gave you a bit more extra to to remember this match by. So I really didn't mind it at all. And I think Alicia Fox is kind of perfect for this type of thing. 23rd was Dakota Kai, and Evans eliminated Mickey James with the woman's right. Carmella is 24th, pulling double duty tonight. Ripley dumped uh, Dakota Kai out. This was her fourth elimination. Then she threw out Mandy Rose for number five. Nikki Cross threw Carmella over, but got saved by Reginald, who placed her back on the apron, and then Carmella super kicked Nikki Cross out. Nikki Cross came out to the most bizarre theme that you would never associate with Nikki Cross's character. It was like some sort of weird, like, I don't know, alt-country type of thing. I mean... I get that, like, the Sanity theme at this point might need a bit of freshening up, but I, I wouldn't really pick this one for her. I also feel like they were relying a, a bit too much on the managers, like, pushing everybody back off the aprons, you know? No, this, they did it in both matches. Yeah, yeah. it seemed to be a bit too much to me. Number 25 was Tamina, so we had a big showdown with her and Ripley. Naomi was sent out but landed on her back, so her feet never touched. Naomi then grabbed Belair by the ponytail and both got their weight onto the apron, and returned to the ring. I wouldn't say, like, the most clever near elimination. No, I mean, um, prob- it was impressive, like, seeing them kind of, like, you know, backwards um, sit up to that, that part was okay. the ring. And, and overall, I think it was a really good preview of the potential uh, rivalry that these two will have, or even a f- future tag team, which I think has to be a sure thing, both of them. 26 was the returning Lana who paused before entering the ring and then went after Rhea Ripley. So it kind of like Lana's story in this match was just kind of taking on all the biggest competition and not faring all that well. Except for Nia, I guess. Nia, she had the big moment with, you're right. 27th was Alexa Bliss and Bliss comes in and she's the over the top happy character and she's just nailing everybody before they gang up on her and and beat her down. The lights start to short circuit. I'm like, oh, Christ, what are we doing now? And Bliss is getting the evil look on her face as though she's going to transform when Rhea Ripley just tosses her out. And that was it. And that was the only fiend stuff we got tonight. That was the closest we got. Not a hint of it in the men's match, which, which I was stunned by. You know, I thought for sure this was like Alexa being like, you know, uh, sent down to the bottom of the ring to change so that she could come back for a finish or something. 
But uh, yeah, this is kind of the only bit of it. But it does tell me that tomorrow, I think we know Rhea Ripley's first program. Oh, no. It's going to be Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's a tough one. It would be a tough one to debut debut with, but I don't think they would do a spot like this for a character as protected as Alexa unless it was to set something up. I thought the same thing that, you know, Ripley is probably going to have to do something with Bliss coming out of this, and I would assume Ripley's on Raw. Ember Moon was 28th, followed by Nia Jax at 29. Moon looked like she drilled Naomi in the face with this boot. Um, Baszler, uh, sorry, Nia Jax is 29th, and then Baszler eliminates Evans. Jax then sends out Ember Moon, and Baszler and Jax lift up Naomi and drop her out. Naomi went 47 minutes and 39 seconds, so a big, big marathon run for Naomi. Next, the two eliminated Tamina, and then Jax turns on her partner and eliminates Shayna. Lana goes after Jax and slaps her and draws Jax in, who runs at Lana. Lana ducks, and Jax sends herself over the top to the floor, and thus Lana eliminates Nia Jax. So that was Lana's big spot in the match. Yes, N- what, a, what a return. Uh, were you following the, the tease that uh, Becky Lynch was uh, providing tonight? I really, I wasn't on Twitter much, so, but I heard she tweeted out a photo of the curtains for in Gorilla. Yes, which I kind of wondered, like, what's the point of doing that if if you know you're just disappointing? Just, just to gain some attention, I think. Well, I guess so. Um, so 30th was Natalia, and she comes out, and they definitely made this the tease, because Jackson Baszler beat her down on the floor, and you're thinking someone's going to replace her, but then Jackson Baszler sent her into the ring, and Natalia was, in fact, the 30th entrant. And we're down to Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Lana, Rhea Ripley, and Natalia. Natalia hugs Lana, but then attacks her and sends Lana out. Natalia then had Ripley on the the apron, but she leans over to taunt her, and Belair dumps out Natalia. So we're down to Flair, Ripley, and Belair. Ripley and Belair double team Flair, who was on the apron, and then they both nail her, and Charlotte lands on the floor, and then she smiles. She's laughing about it that she's been eliminated. It was more of like a, oh, you guys got me type of smile. Well, Ripley and Belair then went for several minutes here. Both end up on the edge of the apron, and they agree to re-enter the ring together. The Riptide gets countered, the KOD is blocked, and then Ripley lands on her feet when Belair clotheslines her out at 58 minutes and 49 seconds. Kayla Braxton got into the ring and Bianca Belair proceeded to give one of the greatest babyface interviews in WWE history, uh, breaking down into tears, thanking her parents, and she will put the EST into WrestleMania. I thought this was the best choice, and I was thinking about this today. Like, this is something that, eh, you can even extend this a bit to the men's version, but it's also something over the last decade WWE has has gone to a lot of times and that's the surprise return and everyone goes nuts for that person winning because it's so out of left field and you're caught up with it. Whereas this is sometimes the bigger risk, but to me it's so much more rewarding when you have the person that is on the on the rise on your roster. This match is so significant for them and it just feels and this is someone that has so their whole future is ahead of you. And I just thought this was such a well booked ending and going with Bianca Belair, even over Rhea Ripley, who I, I don't think 
you know, she would have benefited greatly from winning this. But to me, Bianca Belair would have been my choice to win this thing. And I thought that they went with the best available option. And this seemed to be met with unanimous praise. I, I thought it was really well booked for Bianca Belair. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of overall booking, that's really all that matters. And I thought they absolutely nailed it um, in their pushing of Bianca Belair, but really extending that to the final three here. I thought it was a really kind of nice little like almost metaphorical changing of the guard here where you have Charlotte Ripley and Belair here and Belair and Ripley working together to eliminate Charlotte, almost kind of being the new generation, eliminating the previous generation. It Ended up, you know, the focus is, of course, all on Belair, but as a debut for Rhea Ripley, I guess a true debut into the main roster, uh, she was fantastic here. They treated her really well. Uh, but Bianca Belair in one night, you've, you know, Bianca Belair, I think, like, has been ra- uh, rising pretty quickly in SmackDown. Certainly, like, the Chronicle, as much, as little as, like, I think WWE main roster pays attention to the Chronicle. The buzz generated by it, at least amongst the hardcores, I think has been really strong. And they really built off of that momentum leading all the way up to tonight. In even in the way they presented her kind of very emotional character um, promos that we saw last on SmackDown and then tonight, it seems to be a bit of a character shift for her where she's in the past, like, you know, much more kind of cocky. Now, when she talks, at least in the last two times we've heard her speak, she speaks in a much more kind of sincere you know, girlhood dream type type of way. And it absolutely works. In one night, I thought they really elevated her to main event level status. Uh, very good rumble for Bel Air. You planted seeds here for Ripley and Bliss, I guess. Maybe even kind of like you would expect Asuka might be, you know, still, still in play with all that, but who knows? I can say like, like many of the women's rumbles in the past, because of the varying levels of experience, um, and because maybe a lot of the nerves attached to like a lot of people entering maybe a match like this, um, there was definitely a great deal of sloppiness in these matches. But I think overall booking was very entertaining. And by by the time they got to the end, I I, I really enjoyed this match. I, I thought like they got away by coming up with some really like clever area like points in the match and you had kind of your your through line of Bianca Belair and Naomi going so long uh and going with that story as well I I do think like it does say something when you had like they really rested on the fact that we're even pushing this on the kickoff like there are 13 people announced for this match so it was like pretty much relying on the surprises and who's going to be in this match and and I think you do want to see kind of that that ability to develop and have those contenders going in because that's that's something I think both matches suffered from this year was not building up viable contenders. Like you had Bel Air in this match and nobody else had really staked their claim and made like a big storyline effort to enhance their your interest in this match. And for the men, it was it was down to Edge and Bryant. So I think that's that's one thing you could certainly um look at in terms of not always relying on the surprises because you know as as we can see like there's only you can only go to the well to so many of these names so many times and then it's you know a Tory Wilson gets the call again or a, or a hurricane it's you know there's there's always going to be the names out there but I think I think you want to have that balance of your established talent and then mix in a few surprises instead of making that such a focus especially when you want to save a lot of those surprises for your raw like special editions and smackdown special editions you you really do kind of run the well pretty dry so um after that 
we came down with a Miz and Morrison segment backstage where they knocked on Bad Bunny's door. They want to collaborate and merge with Bad Bunny. He turns them down. So the Miz says, you work with Booker T. And he runs down Booker T, who appears from behind and says, tell me, you didn't just say that. A funny way to get the line in and to, I guess, set up the spot for later. Then we go to the panel. And this leads to another R-Truth appearance where Peter Rosenberg tricks him into believing John Cena's here. Which I think confirmed he was not going to be in the Rumble. And R-Truth is mesmerized by the chance that John is here. And Rosenberg proceeds to pin R-Truth and win the 24-7 title in the goofiest segment of the year. Um, is it, I'm trying to rack my brain. I feel like there's been goofier. You I haven't what? seen the Th- this year Flava, alone. That this Flava might only Fest. be a candidate. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Anyway, <laughs> so there, you're 24 seven champion. Our truth didn't win it back. So you gotta you gotta no. continue with this. Last man standing match. Kevin Owens challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal Title. Uh, they started off immediately uh, in the ring. We got a uh, Superman punch and pop up power bomb. Uh, before they made their way onto the floor and over to the screens. I can't imagine what this, like, what are, if you are in the Thunderdome watching this, are you seeing all of the action, like, as they go backstage? You're just seeing the feed. You're seeing what we're seeing. You're just seeing the same thing, right. So they're not, they're they're not being, uh, they're they're not seeing, like, some live shot. They're just seeing, like, normal. I don't believe so. I think the only difference is like if they're in commercial and people who have been in the Thunderdome can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe like they might see some action between commercial breaks, but I think for the most part, they just see what comes out of the truck, just like us. So they fought onto the stage where the screens were and Owens goes after the knee using a chair and they had set up a table, much like they did the attack on SmackDown. And they're frequently teasing someone getting tossed off this. And it ends up being, you guessed it, Kevin Owens in his first of many Stunts during this match. He gets thrown off the stage onto the ta- uh, through the table. And then they go backstage. Owens is stumbling into the back area. And all of a sudden, dude, he gets run over by a golf cart. <laughs> I thought Sammy Guevara had just like driven up from Jacksonville. Golf, golf carts have become my new favorite weapon in pro wrestling. And I never thought that they this would This looked be. brutal, dude. Like, yeah. I, would, I would much rather be thrown off a stage through a table, then get hit at this angle by a gol- a moving golf cart. I'm not, this I would w- not want this golf cart. The Sammy one is, is already legendary at this point, but this one I thought was also great because of the element of surprise, because the golf cart you didn't even see coming. It was like, it was almost like one of those like, you know, comedy shows where a, a guy walks, like a guy survives some sort of like miraculous thing, walks into the street and gets hit by a bus. It was like kind of that out of nowhere. It was, did, it was did great. The, did the combination of the two of the golf cart and the forklift make it too comparable to that one episode of Dynamite where they did the two? They they did the two the golf, together. The golf cart, yes, but the the forklift. I mean, that's always been around these these kind of plunder matches. So uh, Owens is reeling from this golf cart attack, and Reigns is pointing up to his grandfather in the sky, and Owens just loses it. He fires up on him, drops him on a table, puts him through with a splash, and then Kevin Owens starts operating a forklift. He elevates the forklift with the wooden slat, climbs on top of it, and proceeds to hit a swanton through the table. This was nuts. It was like 
It was a big splash. I mean, after the big splash that he had already just done. So, but even by this point, this dude was taking a crazy amount of punishment in this match. They return to the arena, and Reigns has recovered, and he spears Owens through the the screens at the entrance. But again, Owens won't stay down. He rolls off the stage onto his feet, and then Owens is backing up, and his arm hits one of the lights, and it appeared that he like it was super hot and must have burnt him because his reaction was like he just accidentally moved his arm hit this like light that had been on all night, and his reaction seemed like he just momentarily burnt it it looked not fun this, this guy is going to be in awful pain tomorrow so reigns gets these handcuffs but he's met with a stunner and owens uses the handcuffs and locks reigns to the lighting equipment by the entrance area and reigns was chained so low that he couldn't stand which was a really clever way to play this up for the last man standing match so they're counting and you don't know how reigns is going to get up so he grabs the ref and just plants him into the he just knocks him out cold I, I thought it was like a cool sequence and I thought a it really was well thought out idea. Like I, that really takes some thinking to come up with that idea. We've seen so many of these last man standing matches that I think at this point, it's like every, it's really tough to come up with like new things that'll hook you and, and have you kind of bite on a, on a near count. Uh, and I thought they managed to do that here. Uh, I thought it was really clever, very well executed up until this point. So Owens is down and Heyman has the key and he comes and he has to unhook Reigns from the handcuff. And dude, I was starting the count because time stood still as Paul Heyman had an impromptu match with these handcuffs. It took forever to unhook him. He finally gets Reigns as, free. As the refer- as the extra referee is coming out and counting Reigns for being off of, off of his feet. It was really clunky here. And then Reigns finally gets free. And then just like that, he applies the guillotine. And Owens goes out and they make the 10 count. It comes at 24 minutes and 54 seconds. They, like, forget the handcuff thing. Like, this, they had just, like, built and built and built, like, all these crazy stunts that it almost felt, like, kind of anticlimactic with the guillotine. But... Along with the handcuffs, it was just like a tough ending to what had been a pretty action-packed match. Like, I thought these guys worked their asses off. I hate to be mm-hmm. critical, but the ending was not smooth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel I would say they almost ran a perfect race all the way up until the finish line. And unfortunately, in wrestling, like, often uh, what happens at the very end is what people are left remembering. But, yeah... I'll I'll be honest, like in the moment I was so like into the match that I almost didn't even notice the referee counting. And it was certainly awkward watching it back because the referee had to stop the count at about count six and then just kind of pretend to be distracted. I could see why it would take a lot of people out of an otherwise pretty perfect match, but it, it's so hard for me to like speak ill of this match, seeing how much these guys did for it. Owens killed himself for this match, you know? Uh, diving off of like two platforms, going through LED boards, diving off of three platforms, really. So I, I think like for a match like this, there's a level of intensity that's expected. And they absolutely hit that by the by the time they got to the, the handcuff gimmick. It was a clever spot and then pretty well executed until whoever had to, you know, whatever, blame the key, blame Paul Heyman, who knows? Like, I'm sure it's... um. It it, it 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 was uh, unfortunate. Maybe in editing, they can somehow. I have make a feeling when you go to log on to the network <laughs> later this week, this match may have a seamless yeah. finish. 
to For it. Sure. But and I'll say this about you know the fact is that you say like the guillotine. It's like are you building upon it? But it's like. Sometimes it's like you want to get these finishers over and that was, you know, paying dividends here for down the road. Like how significant this guillotine is like this is deadly. I didn't have an issue with it because that by that point, Owens had taken so much punishment. He barely was able to stand on his feet that I could buy something like a guillotine being the thing to knock him out. You know, I think I think it was just like the over. long delay and then right yeah. to the guillotine. That was tough for me because I think if we had had a more uh, more of a flow right to the guillotine, I'd. I don't think I would have batted an eye about it. And especially if... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, if the idea is Reigns and Brian at Mania, built around like the guillotine and like a submission defense or a counter, there's a lot you can do with that. That makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, where was The Miz at this point? Dude, he was like... There was a point where they're brawling in the back, and this is right after the forklift spot. They're going by the production desk... The Money in the Bank briefcase was sitting there. Really? It was just wow. there. It was like Miz had, I think, legit left his prop there in the back. They literally brawled past, and the cameras on it in the background. The briefcase was just sitting there during this match. Oh, man. Well, I it, 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 it with, with what they had to do afterwards, I totally understand. But I think, like, it's not like they didn't tease it. Like, Miz on SmackDown was teasing that he would cash in. He teased it on both shows heavy this yeah. week, and I'm not complaining either. It's no, I just want not. them to end this briefcase thing. I think this has done great damage to this Money in the Bank concept. I just want to see Drew beat him, even even if it means they have to just do that match at the next pay-per-view. Like, just end this stupid briefcase. I think it's awful. This has been the worst Money in the Bank uh, tease, I think, that they've ever done. Hmm. So a very intense match. I still thought this was like match of the night. Finish aside. I thought these guys just worked super hard. Um, it was, you know, um, a significant blow off. And again, it's it was not the time for Roman Reigns to be losing. So I think I think this program has greatly helped both men. Yeah, Roman, I think, continues to be on just a tremendous, tremendous run, uh, having great chemistry with a number of different opponents. And really feels like Kevin Owens was like, you know, after I would say a pretty good, a solid year of like not doing a whole lot, not even appearing on TVs for, for obvious reasons, like he really put a lot of himself into this entire program uh, through the promos, through all of these matches. He, he was, he's been excellent. Yeah, I, I hope that it's like a solid idea that comes out of this for him. Like he should be involved. Mm-hmm. Like if you figure that the SmackDown side is going to be in the elimination chamber, like he should be one of the key guys, you know, fighting for that, that rematch or, or something involved, something significant going into mania, hopefully for him. Cause I, I think this has been his best WWE program. I think this is ahead of the Jericho thing. I think this is ahead of the Sami Zayn feud. I think overall, given that this was a legitimate main event program and him as a baby face as well. Like his promos have been outstanding, especially the last few weeks invoking his grandfather. Like I do believe like this has been two of the best months of, of Kevin Owens WWE career. So the final match on the night was the 30 man Royal rumble. We've got Michael Cole calling it with Corey Graves and Samoa Joe. And as they announced on backstage on Saturday, edge would be number one, Randy Orton, number two. And I mean, let's let's not bury the headline news. Randy Orton's first degree burns completely healed since Monday. Not a mark on this man's face. Yeah, it could have been makeup. 
um, mind games with... for Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would love if they just completely dropped it and they, they just don't even reference it. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to get overload of the fiend now after, after tonight's reprieve. Maybe they just have a great cosmetic surgeon backstage working in WWE. Do you think we'll get an explanation for the, the burns healing? No. Are you kidding me? Okay. I'm we'll telling see. you, burns heal differently in, in the world of wrestling. Okay. So Edge just goes after Randy immediately, and they're brawling all over the ring, and it's Edge dominating Orton. Sami Zayn is third, which was the perfect spot for him to enter in this match for the conspiracy theory gimmick. I guess so. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Um, he sneaks in and attacks Edge's knee, and it allows him and Randy to start working together. And they attack Edge's previously injured arm that he's coming back from. Number four, Mustafa Ali, who joins in on them, and it's now three-on-one against Edge. Number five is Jeff Hardy, and Hardy starts helping out Edge, but then gets hit with an RKO. Orton then hits Zayn with an RKO and Ali with an RKO, and then Edge gets up, spears Orton, takes him down to the floor, and hits a DDT onto the desk, and then would proceed to attack Randy with a chair, and this would lead to Orton being taken out of the match due to a knee injury and doing the Vince McMahon 1999 rumble spot, where he disappears for most of it to come back at the end. I feel like a lot of people have done this spot since. Well, this is this is the way to get around the rumble. Everyone should be doing this. Yeah. Ah, I'm hurt, but getting hurt doesn't mean you're out of the match. Mm -hmm. Dolph Ziggler was number six, tying Kane's number of appearances at 14 in the Rumble. I thought they said Kane had 18. Oh, they might have said. Okay, maybe they said Ziggler was second to Kane. Maybe that's where I confused it. You know what? Here in my notes, it's the second most of all time. So, yes. And doesn't even um, get any closer after tonight. Uh, lucky number 15, right? Ziggler's got to be in at least five more rumbles to tie this guy. So Ziggler sneaks in and he just throws Jeff Hardy out just like that. So there's Jeff gone. Shinsuke Nakamura was seventh and then eighth. Carlito, who was accompanied by six abs. This dude got in shape for this. What the hell? This guy never looked like this in his prime. Oh, He's dude. 41. This was the best shape I've ever seen Carlito in. He looked I, fantastic I, here. Well, I wonder, man, Joe asked the right question. He's like, what's in those apples? And I I wonder. You could definitely wonder. Well, Carlito, <laughs> uh, he came out here. Uh, this was a man that wanted to make a, a statement here. Um, so he comes in and... Offers the apple. Nakamura takes the apple. Um, I thought he was going to uh, try and eat it, which would be the second greatest thing Nakamura has ever ate in the middle of the ring uh, with the bullet from the Bullet Club being the best Mm. when AJ shot at him. Yes. Uh, Carlito then gave Nakamura a backstabber and Orton is uh, out. He's limping to the back and that's the last we would hear of him for some time. Xavier Woods was in ninth, Big E 10th and... Woods and Biggie work together. They dumped out Sami Zayn, and then John Morrison is in eleventh. And Biggie makes a save on the apron for Woods and holds on to him, but Ali's on the apron and kicks their grip, and Woods falls down to the floor and he's out. So Biggie just throws Ali out next. In number twelve, Ricochet. 
who made it in after all, despite not being able to qualify. Now, we should also was, state that he was not allowed to declare, and he was put in a match to determine if he could go in the Rumble, and he lost. Yeah. Jay Uso was announced for this match. He was yes. in all the graphics and, for, you know, for whatever reason, was taken out yesterday. So I wonder if this was just him filling a spot. It's possible. Yeah. No Jay Uso. Uh, no Keith Lee. I guess those would be mm-hmm. the notable omissions. Although Keith Lee was never officially announced, but Jay Uso definitely was. Um, so, yeah, no Jay Uso and no mention of him either. Um, Ricochet came in and probably had um, his highlight of the last year was getting to work with Edge for like two minutes straight here. And it seemed like Edge was trying to actively work with as many different people as possible. Uh, But I will say like Edge did kind of just fall into the background for a lot at at different times in this match. It's not like he was front and center. Well, I guess you got to do that when you're in there for 58 minutes. Oh, yeah. You got to rest. I guess so. Elias was in 13th and he caught Carlito with a flying knee and threw out Carlito. Damian Priest. Was Can you in- see Carlito coming back? Yes, I could definitely see him. Um, Me too. Yes. So I, I think, you know, he came out, looked good. Um, I, I could I could very well see him, you know, get, getting a shot. Mm-hmm. 14th was Damian Priest, and uh, they treated him as a big deal. He came in. He threw Elias out. Uh, they showed Orton in the back, and Cole was the one who said, well, his night's over, and then Graves made it very clear he has not officially been eliminated, which was hitting you over the head. Um, but Damian Priestway, just getting back to him, uh, I would say he was one of the main stories of the Rumble, was establishing him in a big way. Really, your only uh, NXT call-up and uh, giving him a big focus. I mean, big men tend to do really well in the Rumbles, and they treated him like uh, he was you know, sort of your up-and-coming big man to pay attention to. Yeah, and I mean he's a guy. He he's already thirty eight, so you really can't bide your time with him either. It's like you gotta if you have plans for him, you you gotta go now. Um, so he he hit his finisher, and they did not call it the reckoning. No, which may get a new name. I, yeah, I, Graves I would said, guess. Graves said hit the lights. I don't know if that was just his call or if that's the new name. I w- just being WWE, I would think for sure they'll change the name. Uh, the Miz was fifteenth, and he destroyed. Bad Bunny's DJ equipment that was left out there from his performance earlier. So out comes Bad Bunny looking pissed as Miz and Morrison are watching him. Priest eliminates Miz and Morrison from behind. So he's he's acclimating well to being a raw baby face coming from behind. Bad Bunny climbs to the top and hits a high cross. Now, it might have been a high cross, but it wasn't a high bar when it comes to Rappers performing wrestling moves this month uh, because this was loads better than Snoop Dogg, but it also resulted in maybe the worst call I've ever heard out of an announcer as Michael Cole to give this moment a soundtrack decided to yell. I've heard of flying squirrels, but flying bunnies. Shut up. Just shut up. Any, any cool that was associated with this rapper was extinguished by dad thinking this is the time for me to make a squirrel joke. I feel like I've heard way worse from Cole. Um, well, again, it's pretty, again, it was a pretty bad line. 
Riddle is in 16th, and he would go very long, right up until the end. Daniel Bryan is 17th, and he comes in, and he would end up pairing off with Ricochet for a bunch. And then 18th is Kane. Mm -hmm. The mayor making his 18th appearance. If ever there was an edict, like, we need to make new stars. This was it. Oh, he was here for a great reason, though. It, like, it, he was you here... know what? There was a great moment here with, with Kane. Yeah. I'm not going to be too negative He was on here this. for several people, but mainly Damian Priest. He hits Edge with a choke slam. He chokeslams Nakamura and Riddle, then catches Ziggler, throws him out. Then Kane grabs Ricochet and chokeslams him onto the apron and out to the floor. Ricochet is like... I, w- I literally wasn't supposed to be in the Royal Rumble. I did not win my match. I got, eliminated. I got eliminated by Kane. Wasn't that cool? Bit, I'm not even supposed to be here. Hey, guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also, I guess, to add to his total. Doesn't, doesn't he have the record or something? Uh, uh, total eliminations? Yeah, doesn't he have that? Well, he. I, th- I think it was... He, he had for a while the most in one match, but that was broken. No. But... He probably has among the most of all time, too, when you add up fucking 19 rumbles. He eliminated how many people here? He eliminated Ziggler, Ricochet. Two. He got two. Yeah. So then Brian extends his arms, and they have a big hug in the center, and then Kane chokeslams him. Damian Priest avoids the chokeslam, attacks him with kicks, and then Damian Priest eliminates Kane. And I thought that was great. I thought that was maximizing the utilization of Kane. So I really, honestly, this was a very good utilization of Kane. You got your happy moment with Brian, and it did something for Damian Priest. And dude, Ricochet, like, wasn't even supposed to be here. (laughs) You got everything. You just checked off all (laughs) the boxes. The only thing I could have asked for more was a one-on-one with Kane and Dominic having an interview together. You know, uh, Damian Priest's rumble, I think, will be remembered for this spot. I mean, he could have had, you know, several eliminations, but I think to eliminate, um, again, it, you know, it was another changing of the guard moment for your big, tall guys. So I thought, like, this one elimination completely justified Kane's entry into the rumble. King Corbin was 19th, and this was somewhat surprising. He came in and just nailed Nakamura with the deep six and threw him out. And if you missed it, Nakamura cut this great promo that they aired um, uh, on their YouTube channel and on the website. And given the renewed emphasis on Nakamura, I was very surprised that he was sort of just another elimination. This was not a significant one. Yeah, I guess you only have rooms for so many stories, uh, but you could see them, you know, breaking off into Nakamura Corbin as a program, perhaps on SmackDown. Um, What? Great. (laughs) That's that's it, man. He yeah. did have his shirt off. He did not have a top, so I think he's officially oh. a babyface now. Okay, that's the sign. <laughs> Otis was 20th. 21. Dad, I've got this. Dominic making his first <laughs> appearance. And we get the, uh, the reunion of Kingdom here as he goes right after Baron and gets hit with a spine buster. Corbin is, has him on his shoulders and Dominic turns into a head scissors and eliminates Baron Corbin. Mm-hmm. This was uh, our Maven moment with Dominic. Bobby Lashley was 22nd, and then I don't care what anyone says, okay? Either Rumble. The most impressive elimination to me was watching Bobby Lashley take young Dominic. And, dude, he sent him so high up into the air. Dude, I thought he was going to have a nosebleed on the way down. He got so much height and just threw this man over the top rope. 
this was the most impressive elimination of the of of all the eliminations that we saw. He tossed tossed him pretty far. Yeah, this was an unbelievable throw. Then Lashley just clotheslines Damian Priest out. Lashley and Biggie have a big square off. Hurricane Helms is twenty third, so he can do the tease of the double choke slam to Lashley and Biggie. They just lift and toss him out. Number twenty four is Christian. I did not expect this. This one, I mean, I, I was I heard earlier in the day, and it, it was since reported that that Christian was was there backstage, so I knew that, but I was not expecting him to be in the Rumble. Uh, so they did I, do the te- of course they did the tease of the match with Orton for that edition of Raw, but he mm-hmm. never fully got into the ring for a real match. Uh, this was about as much physicality in ring we've seen from Christian since retirement, two thousand fourteen. That's incredible. Yeah. So and of course, he's obviously like, you know, been cleared. And this is clearly why they decided not to do Edge as a surprise, you would think. Interesting. If they knew, okay. that, if they, knew they had this in their back pocket, like, number one, you want to promote this Rumble. And I think advertising Edge helped a lot in the week mm-hmm. leading up to this show. And if you knew you had this, well, you've got your surprise. And this was a really, like, cool moment, obviously, for Christian. Like, he's been, you know, he's, you can certainly read between the lines with him. It was not ideal that he couldn't retire on his kind of terms and to do this i think this is a lock that he's going to do more than just this oh is that right i i suppose you have to at this point i think you would have take... like, to go through all this and you get cleared to not do like i think you've got to do a tag with edge you've got to even if it's just to do a retirement match so what the hell's going on here with like is medicine just better are these people just like recovering better what's going on here dude i cannot tell you but there is a litany like dude we're Christian's back, Edge is back, Sting's about Daniel, to do a match on Daniel pay-per-view, Bryan, Daniel Bryan's Daniel back. In this match. What the hell's going on? Like, where are we just, like, in such an advanced stage where, like, every everything can be cured? I, I will say, and this was, listen, you, you've you missed all of this time. It's you, you can't really control things, but, man, this return and this hug with Edge in an arena would have been unbelievable. Oh, I mean, yes, it would have. But even at home, I thought it was unbelievable. To me, this was the moment of the night. Yeah. So, yeah, Christian's coming out. He snaps Lashley on the top rope, and then everyone gangs up and sends Lashley out. And then he comes in, he hits it on Prettier on Big E, and then him and Edge just have this big hug. We had just seen Kane and Brian, but I wasn't expecting a choke slam here from either one. Uh, and then they teamed up against Riddle. So th- this, you know, other than, you know, Edge winning, like, I-, I would say, honestly, like, the biggest story was Christian's return in this Rumble. Com- I completely agree. You know, uh, because they did do do the Orton tease, like, months ago, I thought for sure this would be Christian coming out and then getting attacked from behind by Randy Orton before he could make his way into the ring. Just to kind of, like, build You, you know what? Game. That That would have been a... Great spot. No, I think I think you have to like that would have been such a it would have been a real dick move. Yes, it would have been a great spot if he if you can't clear the guy. But man, to have but then, a, but then you could do the whole story of Christian then vowing, I am coming for you, and then you get the like you you could have done it many ways. Yeah, you can do you can do the unannounced return here. I think people almost expect it now for the Rumble that you almost have to do after last year's big return. I think they almost felt like you know we can but, try and do something similar. But this sort of heartwarming moment, seeing the two of them together, like not just, um, you know, seeing each other in the ring, but like being active competitors together in the ring, doing double team moves, teaming up to face other people like that. 
that was just such a heartwarming, nostalgic moment for any sort of longtime fan. I wouldn't trade that for for really kind of any sort of heat getting spawned. No, no. I just I just looked at it like it was an awesome moment with the hug. I, I just want like how if you knew he was coming back, what is the best possible way? And it's something like, yeah, could you imagine like Edge? needing to find a partner or something and you have this in your back pocket like there there are certainly different ways it would have been cool but like like again like there there's been there have been there were a number of people complaining that hey why would you announce number 30 why would you announce a number one why would you announce edge coming out here i think there's definitely something to be said for the element of surprise and being able to leave the pay-per-view with you know something you didn't know and they saved that with christian for this show yeah so I'm I'm very curious what they do with him. Like I, I I couldn't imagine this guy going through all the process of being cleared just to do a rumble appearance. So Oh, he looked pretty good too. You definitely have to do a tag team match. He, he looked least. he looked prettier. Yes, he did. <laughs> okay. AJ Styles was twenty fifth, eats a spear from Edge. Rey Mysterio is twenty sixth, and my god, they did this enormous ad read for Victoria Beer, which was Rey Mysterio wearing a special mask for this uh, new partnership WWE has. So we are going to be hearing all about Rey and Victoria Beer. Maybe that's why Victoria came back. They missed the obvious co-promotion in the last they, Rumble. They totally missed the co-pro in the women's Rumble. So this is where we begin seeing Omos get involved, uh, Amos, from the floor, as he grabs Big E and yanks him out and then tosses him over the desk. 27th is Sheamus. And Amos prevents Mysterio from hitting the 619, and then he just launches Ray into the barricade. So he's gone. Cesaro is 28th. 29th, the returning Seth Rollins, who comes out. Messiah theme. It's his first appearance since the Survivor Series. And I would imagine that um, this this was well, one I think that people were somewhat expecting. Like, this was the best yeah. time to bring back Seth. What we didn't know is if he would come out like, you know, burn it down, babyface Seth Rollins, or if he'd come back as a heel and he's coming back as a full-on, same character. Yep. Um, we also got the world's longest Cesaro swing delivered to Daniel Bryan. And then 30th was Braun Strowman, who in fact declared himself by slamming people on Friday. So Strowman got to be the big monster at the end. He threw AJ over, but he was caught by Amos and put back in. Then he dumped out Cesaro. Then he eliminated Sheamus. Strowman holds up AJ, looks at Amos at one side, turns to the other side of the ring, and then dumps AJ out. Rollins then catches Brian with a curb stomp and sends Brian out. Probably earlier than most expected. Uh, yes. Well, I, I think you have to get him out of there to put the spotlight on Edge. Yeah. I mean, they didn't let a, he wasn't even final four here, but uh, Brian mm -hmm. is out. So uh, we'll get to that after. But then Rollins and Riddle were on the apron. Riddle lasted a long time. Strowman finally knocked Riddle down onto the edge and Rollins hit another curb stomp, eliminating Rollins. So we've got Edge, Christian, Rollins and Strowman in the ring. Strowman then turns on Rollins, slams him down. Edge and Christian double-team Strowman. And then Strowman lifts up Edge, but he's caught with the guillotine. He has him over the top. And then Christian comes from behind to help. And Rollins tosses out Strowman and Christian from behind. So we've got Edge and Rollins. Edge throws out Rollins. And all of a sudden, Orton's in the ring and hits the RKO. And you think Orton's going to throw him over, but he gets reversed. And it's Orton who is thrown out. Edge wins in 58 minutes, 29 seconds. 
Really well done closing moment. I mean, I think, you know, the Orton thing, even though I was thinking about it in the back of my head the whole time, definitely got me in the end, in the moment. Um, this Edge and Christian reunion was not something I saw coming, and it just coated this entire match with this, like, warm, fuzzy feeling. Very well done. Um, the bad funny, funny, bunny spot was, like, it was a fine bit of celebrity integration. You know, Priest, I thought, gained a lot for his for being kind of the lone NXT debut. So great job there, too. Um, maybe a little bit light on surprises, but I think, like, Carlito and Christian, I, I take that back. Not light on surprises at all. Um, I thought this was a very satisfying Rumble match. I, I thought it was really well laid out. I think it was, you had, you know, by the end, you had a lot of big names in it for, for the end, uh, even though we talked about, like, they... They didn't really build up a lot of these names, but by the end, I think you had like your established stars. You had, I think, a really good presentation of Damian Priest in, in this to, to come out and the utilization of Kane for that. And going with Edge, um, what do you see this lining up Mania for? Do you see him being attached to Drew McIntyre? Do you see, I think, I think one thing for sure is that I think we get another Edge Orton match at one of these pay-per-views. And maybe a tag match if it's Edge and Christian against Randy and someone. Yeah, certainly. Um, now, like Edge winning the Rumble is interesting because it presents two options. You know, I think the expected uh, match will be Drew, but Edge and Roman is a potentially great feud that they can build to, towards as well. Like he could, he can really do both as a babyface heel. I guess that works even better. Uh, people in the chat room are already talking about potential tag matches, perhaps between Edge and Christian and uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. You could do pairings like that, but certainly they would probably have to follow up on the Orton thing first. Yeah, so I, I thought th this was a really enjoyable show, I thought, overall. I, mm -hmm. I thought it was like a really, like you came out of it with a lot of interesting uh, directions for for WrestleMania, I will say it's it's not like they like past years where you have seen like okay, I can see where all these directions are. It's not like they've hinted a whole lot going into this, um, and that's kind of the job now is to kind of get all those programs in place and start building towards them. But I think tonight you have established some some big some big stars winning the the Rumble matches and potential directions for Mania. I thought it was really interesting how like going into this Rumble, I think Brian was the overwhelming favorite. And him being eliminated by the end, I mean, did not turn anybody off because I think they delivered, you know, really satisfying uh, you know, return and then another favorite in Edge. But certainly, like, having Christian in there, to me, like, put Edge over as a babyface just over the top. So, and it was, uh, it, that that to me absolutely made this match. And, yeah, a very good pay-per-view. Yeah, it's and it's one of the luxuries they had this year. They didn't have to worry about, like, that would have been a negative response Brian's elimination. I don't think it would have like brought things down like we've seen in past years because I think that the the edge story would have carried them through that. But again, in this this climate, they do not have to worry about that stuff. Yeah, because Brian, I think, is still a really strong candidate. Like I, I to me, he's an obvious pick for Chamber. But um, you know, it depends if Drew and Edge is a is a match that they'd like to go to. Uh, but anything, of course, can happen. Titles can change hands, and we could be looking at a completely different title situation. Well, especially, you know, we have Elimination Chamber in three weeks' time, and then Fastlane, which usually is just this, like, in-between pay-per-view, but that's the first show on Peacock, and I could see them wanting to do something big, and that's mm -hmm. only three weeks before Mania. So, 
Um, yeah, there's there's probably a lot that can happen in those those two pay per views prior to WrestleMania and Fastlane as well. That's only three weeks before the two night Mania, so it's a very quick turnaround from Fastlane to Mania this year. Mm-hmm. So I definitely want to hear from everybody tonight. We will be taking phone calls. Uh, your thoughts on the Rumble and what you would like to see at WrestleMania coming off of tonight. What jumps out at you as potential ideas and yeah. Highlights, lowlights, whatever you want to talk about, Royal Rumble related. Uh, first, let's go to the forum for your feedback and uh, what you guys voted for this show. Out of 10, you guys thought the Royal Rumble 2021 was a 6.5 out of 10. Do you think that's uh, above or below your rating, John? I'd go a little higher than that. I don't think either of the Rumbles were like these all-time classic Rumble matches, but I think some of the some of the moments that they put in... like. Bianca's win, Christian's return, the Edge story. Uh, like, you had a lot of compelling stuff that that kept me engaged throughout all of it. I think the Royal Rumble is typically less of a match that you're necessarily rating based on, on in-ring work versus the stories told, the interesting moments, and how your attention is served over those 60 minutes. So I, I would say both I came away with positive uh, reactions. How about you, Jared Black? If you wouldn't mind unmuting yourself, you're on the air. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Jared. Doing well. What's up? Guys, uh, I thought it was a really good pay-per-view overall. Um, the thing about Roman Reigns and the whole guillotine thing, he's already got two finishing moves, the Superman punch and the spear that look great coming from a guy like that. But when his finishing move to end like the trilogy of matches that him and Kevin Owens have is just squeezing the guy's head, like – and you not being even able to see his face or anything like that when he's struggling is just, it's really anticlimactic to me. It was still a great match uh, overall, but that's just the way I felt about that one in particular. And shouldn't the joke have been uh, from commentary that uh, now we know bunnies can fly more gracefully than dogs? I feel like that should have been it, but I'll leave you with that. All right. Uh, <laughs> if you've I ever been put in a, in, a, in a tight guillotine, it sucks. I think for the context of a last man standing match, to me, a submission works just as well. And I think more to John's point, like it's a, it's the move that I think you want to build up, uh, especially if you're going to do a bigger program in the future with a submission fighter, like, like Brian. So it, it, I always go back to the undertaker with the Gogo Plata. Like when he introduced that, it was not over, but it, everyone got educated that this finishes matches and then that that year at Mania with Edge, it's like the Gogo Plata. And when he put that thing on, everyone reacted that it was a big submission. And I think sometimes sometimes you do have to take a step back and realize, you know, this is not going to necessarily generate that reaction tonight. But this is putting money in the bank for WrestleMania that this submission will be that much more impressive because look what it did to Kevin Owens. So I, I think sometimes you have to do that to establish finishers. Let's go to Kevin up next. Kevin, you're on the air. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Kevin. Um, yeah, I thought I would give it a seven tonight. I thought um, the only big stumble was the hand was the the handcuffs at the end, but um, they'll fix that. Um, I thought that I was surprised they went with Edge, uh, especially when they had him in the top two. I didn't think that they would do it, but they pulled it off. And Bianca Belair, I thought, was a great pick for women. I think she's going to be a star. Um, and I think it's pretty obvious. I think we're getting Bel- Belair versus Sasha, which I think will be great. But I, I think I think it has to be Edge versus Roman. I think that that 
is the match. It's spear versus spear. You go back to the promo Monday where he said, he, I want the title that I never lost, which technically was the SmackDown title. Um, you've got some family versus family things. You can pull the Edge, Edge Christian versus Jimmy and Jay for a tag team match, and you would just get some incredible promos. I, mm-hmm. I just I can't, I can't see Edge and Drew bringing the draw. I think it's Edge and Roman for sure. I think that that's the, the way that I would go. Where, where do you see Drew being paired with then? Uh, we were talking about this before, um, and Hansi brought up Sheamus, and I think that's for Mania. Probably... Yeah, I think that's I think that's an ambitious plan for Mania. But I mean, it was something that was just drop cold. But I could certainly see that one being revisited at some point over this with all these shows coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's not the best Mania, maybe not the best Mania thing for Drew, but. At the same time, you're going to have a pretty epic women's match. You're going to have this Roman's edge match. Does Drew, do you need Drew to have a huge match this year? I think this yes. Point? Yeah. I think it's a two-night event, and you have to have Drew McIntyre, arguably your biggest star that you're trying to push right now, in a in a top you know um, caliber uh, match. Now, a name that has kind of been batted around is John Cena. What do you think of that? I I don't I don't know I don't see it I guess I, I think you've just done that story tonight I think that's way too close to what you've just done I wouldn't have done Goldberg then if that was your plan of the legend from you know the last generation star coming back and losing to your current star I, I just think like that's way we just you're getting, but the match is going to be way better okay but it's to me it's it's almost like you've. I just don't know what Goldberg served then at that at that purpose then if you you were planning to do Cena for Mania I just I I think like you're really just retreading things and let's be honest like Cena Cena's not look these last comebacks I mean he did the really short match with Taker that was two years ago didn't even do a match last year I, I like this is not Cena of 2015 either and he's not no. and he's not going to win we know he's not going to win he's there to pro, pro, promote a movie really so I is that the best thing for drew like i see your point you want a good match for drew like i i see what you're saying no it's not just a good match i think you want a big name attached to it i I just don't think it's xena but yeah and and it's for that reason that i I could see them going the the drew edge direction because you do have a lot of options i mean if if you're looking at brian if you're looking at uh some other options though the edge the edge reigns one yeah there's plenty of material there like that that would be a very you know WrestleMania worthy program to go with. It's just who who needs it more. And you could look at Drew. It's there's a lot less options that come to mind for me. Thank you very much for the call, Kevin. We go up next to uh, Nick. What's going on, guys? Hey, Nick. I this, what's going on? I thought this was a great show. This is a huge win for. Um, late 90s early 2000s kids like myself i was watching this on a zoom with a lot of my friends from uh, elementary school and middle school and we popped massively for first christian and then edge winning the royal rumble so i think if you wanted if wwe wanted to tap into any pools of nostalgia from that era uh i think they they did that successfully tonight if if medicine and i just i just want I, i think that that's a good argument to bring up for the for the next time that let's I think people should just be honest about the fact that it's fine when part-time performers come back and get a spotlight. It's, it's when 
it's which part-time performance. Absolutely. I think this was It has nothing to do with how often they show up. It has everything to do with your affinity for that person. And Edge has a much different reaction to people than, say, many others that have occupied that role and been criticized for it. Yeah, like I was staying up way past my bedtime in 2010 when Edge came back and won the Royal Rumble the first time. And to, to see him do this 11 years to the day and do it in the manner in which he did it coming out at number two, and really performing just above anything that I imagined, you know, when he came back last year and did, did the Rumble. So I'm extremely pleased for him. I think I agree. I think the direction I would go in is a match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. You could do Christian and Edge versus Jey Uso, Jimmy Uso and Roman at Fastlane with the idea that you could do the singles match between those two at WrestleMania. I'm well, the, tag, sure. the tag direction certainly makes more sense with Reigns than it does Randy, who does not have a logical person to be with. Yeah, that's kind of my question is you mentioned the fact that the Fiend stuff was extremely limited on the show only to Alexa. I'm wondering what they do with the Fiend if they give the Fiend one of those spots with the part timer at WrestleMania or they revisit the Randy Orton stuff. I mean, longest you could imagine, like, I, I think you have to do, you have to pay off Randy and Fiend with, with some kind of elaborate gimmick match. I don't think you can extend that to Mania. That just seems way too ambitious um, now. But it's also one where I, I don't think anything, anyone was complaining about the lack of that stuff tonight. And I, I think had you involved the Fiend, I think that would have been the stuff that would have been met most negatively tonight. So it's, to me, I'm, if you want to have this Fiend character, I think that's fine. But I think you have to understand the, the limitations of where you, of how much you dedicate your programming to it and, and how far up you place that character when it comes to your main event picture. I'm just intrigued because I could see him getting some sort of big WrestleMania spot with, you know, lights, pyro, post-production, things like that. Anything they wanted to do. I think he, of... I think they should revisit like what they did last year and come up with something similar where it's it's not really a match. It's something that I I think a follow up to what they did last year with like the Firefly Funhouse. I think like that's almost the best utilization of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, t- I totally agree. The last thing I'll say before I get out of here is glad to see Roman continuing the long Samoan tradition of running over people with vehicular motor motor vehicles. <laughs> that was he did it for back. himself, though. Did it for himself rock. this time, not for The Rock. Anyways, I thought this was awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, Nick. You, Nick. Uh, let's go up next to Hanzi. Hanzi, what's up? What's going on, guys? Uh, what's it called? Uh, I, 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 really enjoy, I really enjoyed the Rumble. I mean, it wasn't like the, the greatest, you know, ever, but I was wondering how they were going to handle it with, like, like, you know, with no crowd and all that, because normally, like, that's kind of what feeds, like, you know, the, the the countdown and the cheers and all that. But um, I just thought WWE was playing with the the, the internet fans, you know. The, they were playing with them with the, the, the Drew McIntyre thing and then the Alexa Bliss thing, where I thought something bad was going to happen. I was ready to, like, kind of cuss out. But now I'm actually worried that Rhea Ripley is going to be stuck in a program with Alexa Bliss at WrestleMania, probably, or something like that. Um, but no, the, I thought the winners, I thought those were the right winners. I was, uh, I, I guess it's going to be Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins probably, but I thought I was really scared that Christian was going to turn on edge, you know, you know what I mean? And then they were going to do something at Mania or something like that. But I'm kind of glad that edge won. And I, I'm of the belief that he should go for Roman. Cause I just think that Roman kind of like, you know, cutting those, these promos about his sob story and edge cutting passionate promos um that's money to me you know what i mean i, I know they might not go that route 
I don't know if they're going to do it, Drew, but to me, I just think Edge and Roman Reigns would be a, a really good program. And I'll just leave you guys with that. Thanks, Hansi. Seems like everybody's excited for Edge and Roman Reigns, you know? Um, and I think everybody would be happy if we got that instead of Brian versus Roman for the time being. So very interesting. Let's continue with Jay. Jay, what's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, Jay from Colorado. Uh, it's been a while. Um, hey. I've uh, been watching the Royal Rumble has been my favorite event of the year since uh, 1988. I remember when uh, seeing uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan winning as a kid. I was 12 years old at the time. Um, wow. Dating myself a bit there. But um, this is my first WWE event that I've watched since uh, last year's Royal Rumble because I, I never I never miss one. Um, just a couple quick thoughts on the men's and women's matches. Well, well first of all, how, how was it for you catching up on all the stories? I mean, I guess you, you listen to the podcast and, and yeah, 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 yeah. You guys, you guys okay. keep me company during the week. <laughs> cool. During so my, you're all uh, caught up and you're yeah, able so to enjoy I'm caught the show. up on the stories, but I haven't watched anything. I always DVR it still in case there's something I want to watch. Um, gotcha. but coming back into it for, it was a good show, but for the most part, like nothing leaves me super excited about getting back into it except maybe seeing christian back into it if they bring carlito carlito back like that'd be pretty cool too <laughs> that, that'll bring you back in carlito i love carlito man i've always been a carlito mark so and he looked he looked really good tonight he, he looked great good. so um so uh you know it, it was still a good show though um you know my 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 main kind of my main complaint was with the women's uh, rumble match. I, I feel like they could have found someone much better than Jerry Lawler put to put there. Cause uh, you knew he was just going to ogle the women. Like there was one point, like when he's just like, Oh, this would be heaven for me. Like, okay, we get it, dude. We get it. You're a horny old man. Like who cares? Um, so I, that kind of gets tired with me. I feel like he would have had a better spot on the pre-show or I, I maybe he was on the pre-show. I don't know. Or um, he was, maybe I, huh he was okay yeah <laughs> um and also too having the whole 24 7 goons in there um it really kind of took the seriousness away out of the women's match for me and it, it made it seem more like a joke than it was like like a sideshow thing than it was like okay here's a serious women's rumble match so i found that really disappointing um um my other comment was on the <laughs> on the Paul Heyman fiasco with the handcuffs. So I have an interesting position of being, uh, I, I'm a former police officer, but my degree is in film studies. Um, and I actually had a little bit of experience doing film production stuff. So I know the difference between a real set of handcuffs and a prop set of handcuffs. It amazes me that this company still uses real handcuffs apparently, because man, the way he was fumbling with that was just crazy. Um, and What's really the difference with with prop prop handcuffs? Yeah, it, like like using using something that would have been like instead of having to put a key in, which it seems like that's what he was fumbling with. Maybe using something where he could have just you know clicked, you know, with the prop handcuffs, you just you just click the side. Mm. Um, so it seemed like that might have been a better option for him, and I'm not sure what happened there. I'll be interested to hear if we ever you know hear the story from that. But hmm, interesting. Thank you for that unique insight, Jay. Sure, we'll yeah. get the, the WWE Untold of the last man standing match. Uh, Kevin Owens oh. burning his arm, Paul Heyman fumbling with the handcuffs. 
Um, there you go. The twenty four seven at least. Hey, just to leave it uh, with one more thing with uh, with a Randers quote. The way he's going after those after those handcuffs was very aggressive. All right. Thank you very much, Jay. <laughs> I never watched it. Was that was that a good reference, John? Um, I didn't get the reference, so I, I I'm sure it was a good reference for those that connected it. Okay, let's uh, end with one more call, Brandon. Hey, what's up, Way? Uh, seven nine six zero eight six. What's up, man? That's you, John. <laughs> hey, uh, a proud night to be a Puerto Rican, man. Uh, Carlito, bad buddy. Uh, Davey and Prince. Yeah, I thought I thought you were yeah. from Acton. <laughs> uh, bad buddy, man. That's Flash. That was awesome. Better than Snoop, right? What what so can you explain to like maybe people who have never maybe are not aware of like the Bad Bunny phenomenon like what how popular he actually is? He's a global superstar, man. He's a big deal. That's yeah. Like- he had the the second most streamed album of the year last year. He is like in like elite company. And this new, I, album I think the weekend is the only one who's like ahead of him. And the weekend's doing WrestleMania again. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, Brandon. We got we got it going on up here, okay? We know we know what's what. <laughs> Who's number three on Spotify? I'd have to look it up. I don't know who number three is. Probably the SummerSlam uh, act. <laughs> Couple things I'll get out of here. Uh, Goldberg, man, he. I I hope I hope this is the last. I I mean, whatever. But I hope this is the last time we see him in action like that. I felt bad. He he looks real dilapidated, and, and I mean, he looks old. Uh, he's 54 like he's like he looks like a guy that's like an athlete that has you know been through the wars and he's like for 54 Brandon you and I are not going to look like that when we're 54 I promise you (laughs) I promise you I won't look like that either but uh yeah I I, great run uh I wish they did a better match but I guess you want to get the Goldberg rub for for Drew and whatnot um Carlito looked tremendous I'm I, uh, I, it's not a one-off thing for him to look like that, right? Well, I mean, uh, I, I would think that Carlito would be a guy that they, you know, came in, look good, and you know, would be the type of person that, you know, those are the ones that just come in and it's just for the cameo. I think with Carlito, I, I certainly think he could be one that they, uh, take take a look at. I mean, there was uh, the report today that he might be getting a tryout for a producer role. So, like, it, it, it sounds very much like. The, the, like the MVP return last year where it was, it was meant to just be one thing, but it turned into something more. And would it be, and what the, the, the and one last thing, the Roman Paul thing, would it be funny if, instead of Paul giving him the belt, it would have given him, he would have given uh, Roman his black belt for a uh, submission of Kevin Owens. <laughs> yeah, perhaps <laughs> he's, he's the new Gracie killer. <laughs> maybe he's, maybe he's going to fight Logan Paul at WrestleMania. <laughs> Good night, guys. Bye, Brandon. Goodbye. Okay. Uh, thank you for your calls. We're going to go to the board for some feedback now. John, you want me to start? Sure. Let's go to James from Liverpool, who says, this was the first pay-per-view I've watched in nearly 20 years, he says. Watched live in nearly 20 years. It wasn't. Sh- I wasn't sure it really got going until the Roman and Owens fight, which was great until the botched ending. I wish the ref had just called that and they could have fixed it on telly. It just looked awful. Um, called what? 
I wish the ref had just called that. Like, counted him out? How would they... Not really sure what he means by that. Um, the men's rumble was good. It was a strong start until the injury to Orton, which I really thought was real, as they didn't seem to have a role for Edge until the final six. Four out of ten show. Do you know why the rumored? Do you know what the rumored scary ending was? Have you heard about? I, I don't. Ending? I don't know what the rumored scary ending was, but you would assume that it was fiend related. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Jesse from Montreal says the women's rumble had a lot of odd moments where they were just standing around wondering what to do. The Owens reign finish was really unfortunate though. Again, I recommend everyone with an even basic understanding of French to watch Owens matches with French commentary. He comes off as a huge star. I thought they rehabbed riddle. Well, Billy Kay was entertaining and I was pleasantly surprised to see Christian back. Belair and edge were both good choices to win. So for all the flaws tonight, they got the important stuff, right? And bad bunny killed it. Okay, let's go to uh, Muggin, who says, Somehow, someway, the Rumble delivered the pomp and circumstance it's known for, despite no audience. The two Rumble matches delivered, the women's Rumble being slightly better than the men's. It was great seeing Victoria. The home stretch was masterfully done with Rhea and Bianca as the final two, as I was watching the future of women's wrestling during the ending. Drew Goldberg was short and painless, Owens and Reigns was bonkers, and I'm kind of torn over Edge winning the Rumble. Who did Daniel Bryan piss off? I don't think anybody. I don't think he was ever meant to, to win. I mean, um, not tonight, at least. No, and you can, I mean, they have shows to fill. And if you're going to do a story of, you know, Brian trying to get back to get that championship match for, for Mania, I mean, there's there's ways to get to it as well. Uh, ben from Vancouver, the Women's Rumble was excellent. Good mix of surprises of people we haven't seen in a while, like Jillian and Victoria, and a great story involving Bianca. Men's Rumble was also good. I love seeing Carlito and Christian. The Orton stuff was a little cheesy, but the right guy won. I do feel bad for Brian, though. He just needs to walk away from WWE at this point. He's one of like the most pushed guys that they have. I, th- I think he's doing fine. Uh, Owens and Reigns was good, but they really need blood in these ma- types of matches. Both worked hard. Goldberg and Drew is exactly what it should have been. Eight out of ten show. Ryan from New Jersey says, I came into this worried about the cinematic fiend garbage hurting the rumbles, but it was cut short by Rhea Ripley in one. I'm a fan of her, her for life now, and absent in the other. I really like the men's rumble with the ENT reunion being a real highlight. I was rooting for Brian, but I'm happy for Edge as he becomes the third guy to win it from the number one slot. So now they can include two in the recap videos. I thought the women's rumble had a good closing stretch, but was mostly aimless otherwise with no real direction as the ring got crowded. I enjoyed Reigns and Owens too, aside from the handcuff trouble. 7 out of 10. Kate writes, after a few months of reasonable pay-per-view length, this one felt like a bit of a slog. I thought that the women's match was the standout and was well-booked, particularly the ending. However, I was finding myself distracted by the awful commentary. They have Beth Phoenix available, but they put Jerry Lawler on which is disgusting. He said that his co-commentators should pretend the women were fighting over them, did his usual fawning over the women's looks, and soured the experience for me. Other than that, the show was okay. The first two matches were forgettable, and I honestly preferred the Reigns-Owens cage match to the one tonight. Men's Rumble was good, but I didn't think it helped boost any new stars other than Damian Priest. Edge winning was a feel-good moment for sure, but I thought it was flat compared to Bianca's win because it felt like there's no real longer-term story for him. Although he's been on Raw thus far, I think Edge is going to challenge Roman rather than Drew. They've invested a lot of time and effort into making Drew a top babyface, and Roman versus Edge is the bigger draw. I'll say on the length, I I did not find tonight's show to be too tough, and I was warned earlier in the day from, from someone in the company that this one will probably go a lot longer than 10 p.m., so I, in my head, I was also 
anticipating a bit longer show. But I, I'll say, like, for four and a half hours, I, I didn't feel that that drag. I thought that the show moved pretty well. Um, so th- this, this was not one where the length really had any impact on me, at least. Dwayne from Ireland says, I felt pretty underwhelmed by Edge winning the Rumble, and I don't really think he needed to go wire to wire either if he was winning, especially as he was anonymous for long stretches of the match after the initial burst at the beginning. Him winning was a big enough accomplishment without needing the added caveat of doing it from number one. That and Orton at the end being painfully obvious and worn out as a trope uh, took this down to just being an okay Rumble. I hope Orton gets a patent on his mask because it's a tr- miraculous. It's had a miraculous effect on him. I've never seen Burns heal as quickly. Noah from Vaughn. All of the non-Rumble matches tonight were not all that memorable. As far as the two Rumble matches go, I thought they were fine, but I've seen many better before. The biggest thing I liked on the show was seeing Bianca win the Women's Rumble. Leads us to two really fresh matchups, no matter who she chooses to face at Mania, either Asuka or Sasha. As much as I'm happy to see Edge run the table from number one to win it all, I'm kind of sad that Brian didn't get the win. Here's hoping he wins the Chamber and goes to face Reigns. Okay show tonight, 5.5 out of 10. Definitely like disappointment, I guess, about Brian not winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was sort of the pushed favorite. I mean, kind of really, kind of, um, you know, refanning the fl- the flames from that uh, memorable year. But I really think, I mean, in hindsight, it was all just a sort of a bit of misdirection. And again, it's not the end of that story if they don't want to end it. But everybody's clamoring out for Roman versus Edge. I mean, if that's the direction, you know, where do you see Brian? I'm I'm still leaning towards him likely being on that side. I, I don't know if Reigns and Edge will, will be the direction. If 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 you do go with Reigns and Edge, then I then I think Brian's in a much more tougher predicament because like I don't see him. There's Rollins. There's uh, man. There's guys Corbin. like sure he could face like a Big E or a Seth Rollins or. Yeah, I don't know. It's like there there should be a, a lot more um, ideas there for for Brian, but I would say they've made such a big deal out of this going for this this title that I mean, I guess Drew and Brian just feels like a weird mix to do now. Like that one, I don't know. It doesn't jump out at me. No, I mean neither. All right, let's go to Grit, who says this piece of feedback has been brought to you by Victoria Beer. I largely enjoyed the show, but this is mostly from the Reigns-Owens match for its sheer entertainment value that can only be achieved by the match turning into a train wreck by the end. Rhea and Bianca's final two, I felt, might be the greatest final two in any Rumble I've ever seen. Top three for sure. I'm slightly disappointed they didn't do the injury replacement spot to swap Natalia with Becky, but that's entirely based on the tweet I saw by Becky Lynch where she took a picture of the curtain. I can almost... Bet money Vince wanted to do the swap with Natalia and Becky, but decided against it 45 seconds before Natalia's entrance. Okay, let, let's just yeah, stop there. Like, if, if let's let's say that was even an option, would people have really have wanted Becky to be in that spot? And you either totally throw her return out the window, or Bianca doesn't win. Like, I I would not have wanted to see that instead of what we got tonight. Like what yeah, would the benefit just... of Becky's return tonight have been in that rumble spot? Because she yeah. would like she would have to win then. Yeah, I think people just want to see her come back and they want that big pop and She um, literally just had a baby in what, December? Like that's it, you know? Like <laughs> it would be kind of I, her coming back right now would indicate that she'd probably be back for a pretty long run. And I don't think that's really how maternity leave should work. 
So yeah, it's I, I think like it's it's not just like the physical. It's like you you want to spend time with your child. Like it's um I, I don't know if you necessarily have to race back, but to, to the booking but, part. But this like, is all Becky's fault. I mean, she teased it herself, right? Oh, this she the type she, of conversation she. Well, wants. that's why I don't know why you would send out that tweet unless you just you know it's you're fine to tweet whatever you want, but you're going it's to fun. Well, it's yeah. just but it's just to disappoint people that you're not you're not coming in. So anyway, that's fine, but. I, I would not have traded that in. I don't think Becky's return. I thought what we got with Bianca, I'm glad that that was the, the ending. And I wouldn't have squandered Becky's return for Bianca to eliminate her. And I wouldn't have wanted to trade this in for, and you don't get that Bianca win. Last one is from Maddie B from Burlington. He thought the Goldberg-Drew match was good for what it was. Uh, I enjoyed the women's rumble. I love that Bianca won. She's a star and she's going to get pushed to the moon. Such genuine emotion from Bianca at the end, which you rarely see from anybody. I love that it was Charlotte, Rhea, and Bianca at the end, and they eliminated Charlotte, the two new stars at the end. Roman and Owens had a great match, but the end soured it for me. Don't you think you would have went through that when they put the match together? But maybe Heyman dropped the key. Both of them really did bring it during this match, especially Owens. Men's Rumble was good. Carlito and Christian were great surprises. And the ending was a very good one. I thought Owen Orton was going to take it. And a bit surprised that they went with Edge. I had Big E or Brian winning. Interesting to see where this leads. Yes, it is, Matt. There you go. All of the feedback. I think a generally positive show that most uh, took in. Maybe some changes they would have liked to have seen. But I think overall, a satisfying show. I, I think that it's it's something that is a negative this year, just in the sense that you don't have the... Like, if you were to tell me, what matches do you want to see at WrestleMania? Like, tonight... People are coming out and saying Edge and Reigns, but up and down the roster, like, do you have those, those matches you really want to see that have, you've been pushed in that direction to want? And I think that sometimes you want to have some stuff you can surprise people with, but like, it's a blank slate. That's what it feels like for Mania this year. Like, I think all the programs mm. begin now. I mean, Sasha Belair, I think, is is one of the obvious ones. Um, you know, whether or not Asuka holds the belt until Mania, I don't really know, but, you know, they're planting. She, the she's been already. greatly cooled off, though. Yep. But, you know, planting the seeds for her and Charlotte at some point. Um, and obviously a lot's going on with, like, you know, this Alexa Bliss character that they're trying to promote as a major star. Uh, so we'll see where that ends. I think, you know, it, it, it's about the proper timeline for a lot of those stories to start after Rumble. So we shall see what Raw brings tomorrow. Yes. Do you expect a heavy Fiend or and or Alexa Bliss episode on Monday? I expect some Alexa Bliss. Yeah, for sure. The, the promo is built around Alexa Bliss's response to Randy's RKO last week. Okay. Which is very much downplayed right. on tonight's show. So we'll see what they have in store on Raw. Um, I would assume Edge is on the show. And where we go from there, we'll probably get some indication of where things are heading. So Way and I will be back Monday night with Rewind to Raw. We are live for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso Patrons Monday night, 11.15 p.m. Eastern, right after Raw. So thanks to everybody that tuned in tonight live. Uh, we appreciate all the phone calls, all the feedback, and those that joined us in the Zoom room. And, Way, the final word goes to you. Oh, final word. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, uh, Popeye's. <laughs>